Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Getting out of Gaza. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Hamas terrorists have agreed to open up the Rafah Gate in Egypt so foreign nationals, including Americans, can flee the war. Correspondent Jonathan Hunt. We await to see uh, when and if all of those Americans who have been stuck inside Gaza for more than three weeks now are able to get out. There are approximately 400 Americans stuck in Gaza, critically injured Palestinians also being allowed to leave. Hamas is holding 240 hostages in the war zone. Tina Krauss in Tel Aviv talks to the family of one of them. When you see Israel in the ground invasion taking on Hamas now, do you hope they will destroy Hamas or do you worry for the hostages? I hope they would be able to do both. I don't know how. A dozen Israeli soldiers have been killed since the ground war began over the weekend. Reporter Trey Yinkst has the latest from southern Israel. This will be a difficult street-by-street battle as Israel looks to push deeper into Gaza in their efforts to destroy Hamas. Action taken yesterday by Israel to take out a senior Hamas commander also took out a refugee camp in northern Gaza. Scores of Palestinians were killed. Jonathan Kunrikas is a spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces. Bottom line is that there was an important military target there. We struck it. Uh, We took precautions to minimize collateral damage, but the military aim was achieved. He says the strikes killed a major player for Hamas who helped plan the October 7th terror attack in Israel. Former Israeli Ambassador Mark Regev says Israel won't stop penetrating the Palestinian territory until Hamas is no more. Once Hamas is gone, once they no longer have their terror enclave in the Gaza Strip, I'm sure what comes after will be preferable, both for Israelis who won't have to live in fear of these brutal terror attacks that we've suffered, and for the Gazans who deserve something better than this terror regime that doesn't give a hoot about them. So far, the UN has refused to condemn Hamas for what it did to spark this war. Yesterday, Israeli's top diplomat at the UN wore a yellow star of David at the UN to protest. We walk with a yellow star as a symbol of pride, a reminder that we swore to fight back to defend ourselves. Never again is now. Gulad Erdan is the Israeli ambassador to the UN. So I will remind you, from this day on, each time you look at me, you will remember what staying silent in the face of evil means. Erdan says he will continue to display the Star of David at the UN until it condemns Hamas. The Nazis made Jews wear yellow stars during the Holocaust. FBI Director Chris Ray fears violence against the homeland due to events in the Middle East. The ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level. Ray told a Senate panel yesterday that violent extremists will draw inspiration from this war and try to harm Americans. The actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. More than 150 terror suspects have tried to enter this country from Mexico the past year. President Biden has outsourced our immigration policy to criminal organizations. I say that because because the uh, 8 million who have come across the border 
continue to do that in record numbers because they know they're going to be able to make it into the interior of the United States. Texas Senator John Cornyn at a press conference yesterday. Your money next. The Federal Reserve expected to leave interest rates unchanged when they wrap up a two-day policy meeting in D.C. today. While inflation remains stubbornly high, other economic data starting to show improvement, says business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Now they're not down to their target 2% rate, but the trend is indeed the Fed's friend. And that's why the Fed is most likely not going to do anything when it concludes its meeting. Expect the Fed announcement on interest rates after 2 o'clock today. Donald Trump Jr. takes the witness stand today at the trial of his father, the former president. Donald Trump Sr. facing a quarter billion dollar civil fraud case. The ex-pres accused of inflating his net worth to secure better loans. Trump Jr. will be the first of his three children to take the witness stand. Eric and Ivanka also scheduled to testify. The former president will testify next Monday. A new CDC study shows the first significant rise in infant deaths in this country in more than 20 years. Behind this worsening trend, the CDC says they found significant increases in two leading causes of infant mortality, maternal complications from during pregnancy, as well as bacterial infections leading to sepsis in newborns. Alexander Tin reporting a judge in Kansas has blocked the state from enforcing abortion laws that date back decades. This includes a 24-hour waiting period that was enacted in the 1990s. The U.S. Supreme Court yesterday heard arguments on whether public officials can block their critics on social media. When does a private social media account become your official public job? And, you know, there's such a gray area. Legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum expect a decision on that case in June. The Texas Rangers, even without their star outfielder Adalas Garcia, spanked the Arizona Diamondbacks last night, 11-7, to your final in Game 3 of the World Series. Joe Davis with Fox Sports had the call. Goodbye. It is a Rangers have won 10 straight road games in this year's postseason and now are just a game away from capturing, I should say win away, from capturing their first ever World Series title. Highlights with Randy coming up in sports. Also ahead on the Noon Report, arrest made at Cornell, rethinking distracted driving and state-sponsored discrimination. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. It is now November and it's feeling the part. Certainly, we've got the burr in November today. I'll let forecast details on the way in 10. All right, definitely. A put-on-the-winter jacket sort of day out there. Thank you, Kevin. New York has more Jews than any state in the country. And Governor Hochul is taking action to stem the rising tide of anti-Semitism. We cannot allow hate and intimidation to become normalized. She's ordered security beefed up at colleges and synagogues and is making available more funds to help cops investigate hate crimes. We cannot allow any New Yorker to live in fear. For the day we are willing to accept that, is the day that our moral compass has broken and spun out of control. Meantime, police have arrested a Cornell student for making threats against the school's Jewish students. He's 21-year-old Patrick Dye of Pittsford near Rochester. Dye is a junior at Cornell, accused of posting hate speech online. He was hunted down by the FBI Cybersecurity Task Force. Dye facing up to five years in prison and a fine of 250 
$50,000. The Pennsylvania Family Institute is raising the red flag over three bills that recently passed the State House. House Bills 1024, 25, and 27 could have a chilling effect on free speech. According to PFI President Michael Gere, the legislation sets arbitrary criminal penalties that would demonize and even blacklist those who have opposing views on same-sex marriage and transgender issues. Gear calls it state-sanctioned discrimination. New York is looking to expand internet gambling even more. Mobile casino gambling, also known as iGambling, is being looked at as another possible revenue generator for the cash-strapped Empire State. Here's Kate Lisa with Spectrum News. iGaming is already allowed in seven other states, including neighboring Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Senate Racing, Gaming, and Wagering Committee Chair Joe Adabo sponsors the bill and says New York needs to follow suit to not lose business across state lines. Other states surrounding us are doing it. We can do this. Adabo says the proposal could give brick-and-mortar casinos a way to expand the gaming they offer rather than hurt business. New York legalized mobile sports betting a couple of years ago. Gambling opponents argue these new forms of internet gaming are creating a whole new generation of gambling addicts. Over $17 million has been spent so far in this year's race for that open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. That is the race to watch next Tuesday on Election Day. It won't change the balance of power on the bench, but it could lay the groundwork for future change. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court's been pivotal in deciding major election-related cases in that battleground state. Pennsylvania considering strengthening its distracted driving laws. Here's Family Life's Sarah Harnish. Currently, texting while driving carries a $50 fine, but there is no law banning the use of cell phones for other reasons. Senator Rosemary Brown says it makes it difficult for officers who don't know if you're texting or listening to music. One is an offense, the other is not. Senate Bill 37 would prohibit the use of all handheld communication devices while operating a vehicle in state lines. Using a GPS would be allowed, but only if both hands are on the wheel. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. The Pennsylvania House holding a hearing today on the pros and cons of recreational marijuana. Currently, only medicinal pot is permitted in Pennsylvania. Opponents argue that expanded marijuana use will make roads, schools, and workplaces less safe. Pro-pot lawmakers in New York are outraged at the growing number of illegal marijuana operations. Legalization supporters griped about the proliferation of gray market pot stores during a legislative hearing. But marijuana opponents say pro-pot lawmakers can't complain because they're the ones who failed to address enforcement when they approved the law three years ago. State lawmakers approved a law earlier this year boosting fines up to $20,000 a day to crack down on unlicensed shops. But they acknowledged unintended consequences and said the law may need to be tweaked again. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Fire destroyed a church yesterday in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. The Pleasant Hill Baptist Church is no more. That blaze broke out in the basement of the church and then spread to the main sanctuary. No one was injured cause of the fire yet to be determined. When it comes to immigrants coming into New York from the southern border... We're out of space and that it is not an unlimited amount of time that you can come here. So when we give you 30 days, that means that you should be thinking about what you want to do at the end of those 30 days. New York City's deputy mayor says a new rule gives single adults a month to find new housing and then after that, they're on their own. The 
the city is offering migrants free one-way plane tickets to anywhere in the world. If you need help heating your home, you can apply for assistance starting today. New York's Home Energy Assistance Program, or HEAP, helps people pay their heating bills during the winter months. Eligibility is based on income, household size, and the type of heat being used. Automotive students at the Penn College of Technology in Williamsport are getting the chance to go under the hood of electric vehicles. Here's automotive instructor Charles Probst. We primarily are trying to prepare our students just to not be afraid of the EVs. A little bit more scary than working on a regular car just because of the high voltage equipment that we needed to use and learning all the systems and the safety precautions was definitely a hurdle just because it's different from a normal vehicle. That is second year student Sheldon Fleming. Penn College has been teaching about electric cars for years in a lecture hall, but now it's finally expanding to hands-on learning as more EVs show up on the road. We were asking the industry how they were preparing for EVs and and they weren't sure how they were going to prepare. So everybody was kind of behind the, the A-ball, if you will, as far as getting our technicians prepared. Probe says the college currently has four electric vehicles it uses for training. Fleming says he's grateful for the experience. If you don't know how something works, you can't properly diagnose an issue. So for us to be able to be hands-on instead of talking about them in lecture, that's going to help us a ton whenever we get into the workforce. Probe says there's a need for technicians who have knowledge of electric vehicles. Students, when they leave here, they'll probably know more than the average technician does um, at their repair shop as far as the EV aspect of, of the vehicle. The EV class will be offered twice a semester at the college there in Williamsport. Get ready to fall back this weekend. We change our clocks again on Sunday. In 2022, the U.S. Senate unanimously approved the Sunshine Protection Act, a bill that would make daylight saving time permanent. But it wasn't passed by the House or by President Biden, so at 2 a.m. on Sunday, we set our clocks back one hour. The upside is you get an extra hour of sleep until March of 2024 when we return to daylight saving time and lose that hour. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. All right, Bree, thanks for the update. Let's talk sports next on The Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Texas Rangers offense, the sleeping giant that's been awakened. Last night, they pounded the ball, racing out to a 10-0 lead before the third inning was over. Corey Seager continued to mash as he hit another home run in the second inning, and Marcus Semien hit a three-run shot in the third, and then Texas held on for an 11-7 win. The Rangers now just one victory away from claiming their first First ever championship. Game five is tonight. Probably exactly where Texas wants it on their opponent's home turf. The Rangers have yet to lose on the road this postseason. Arizona is going to try and stave off elimination. Well, the news was not all good for Texas. Both all-star right fielder Adolis Garcia and pitching ace Max Scherzer are done for the World Series. Injuries have ended their season as Garcia has an oblique strain and Scherzer's back locked up on him in the Game 3 start. Let's talk football for a minute. The Buffalo Bills made a move just before the trade deadline, acquiring veteran cornerback Rasul Douglas from the Green Bay Packers. 
Now to basketball. The Knicks got balanced scoring and pulled away from Cleveland for a 109-91 victory. Five New Yorkers were in double figures with both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle scoring 19 points. Emmanuel quickly chipped in with 18 off the bench. The Cavs and Knicks will play again tonight at the Garden. The Spurs edge of the Suns 115-114. Clippers beat the Magic 118-102. And on the ice, it was the Kings 4, the Maple Leafs 1, the Canucks 5, two winners over the Predators. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Man. Still to come on the Noon Report, a midweek edition. The border is open, and this one we want open. Helping parents develop Christian worldviews in their children and why it's good to go the extra mile. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, few people, particularly in the UK, have shown the kind of courageous, tenacious commitment to truth as media personality, minister, conservative commentator, and Anglican deacon, Father Calvin Robinson. In 2020, after discerning a call to church ministry, Robinson left a career in teaching to pursue a degree in theology through St. Stephen's House at Oxford. Two years later, in 2022, he applied for a curacy within the London Diocese of the Church of England. Robinson, a British citizen of mixed race, learned that his application had been held up due to his opinions about critical race theory. Earlier, Archbishop of Canterbury Justin Welby had declared that the Church of England was, quote, deeply institutionally racist, a statement with which Robinson took issue. When it became clear that church leaders were dragging their feet over his placement, Robinson requested access to the files pertaining to his case. What he learned was that the Church of England is not the broad church that so many assume, and it rejected him for his outspoken conservative views. Describing a conversation with the Bishop of London, Right Reverend Sarah Mullally, Robinson reported this, quote, I said as a mixed-race person, I didn't feel like the church is institutionally racist, and I think it's wrong for the Archbishop of Canterbury to stand up on a pedestal to announce we are racist. I think that's wrong. I think individuals are racist, and they need to be held to account for it. But to say that we as an institution are, that's unhelpful. I don't think it's statistically true. And she said back to me, well, I think we are. And as a white woman, I can tell you that we are, and I've seen it, end quote. And his views on racial issues were not the only area in which Father Robinson found himself in conflict with the Church of England. As he put it, quote, it seems the church will affirm any liberal progressive secular view, but clamp down on conservative views, either political or theological. If you defend family values, the sanctity of marriage, all human life being sacred, or the fact that God made us male and female, you'll face opprobrium. Well, ousted from the Church of England, Father Robinson became a deacon in the Free Church of England instead, a church that aligns with the Global Anglican Future Conference, known as GAFCON, an international body committed to biblical orthodoxy. And until recently, he hosted a popular show on GB News and now also serves as minister in charge in a local parish. Recently, Father Robinson defended that the church should not perform or bless same-sex marriages in a debate at the Oxford Union, one of the world's oldest institutions of public discourse. His opponents there were three progressive bishops. In each and every one of the experiences, Robinson demonstrates the kind of courage that's required for Christian faithfulness today. And this begins with a commitment to truth, according to Robinson. Here's what he said, quote, People are looking for the truth. It's our job as the church to proclaim the truth in the rooftops and let people know there is another way, that Jesus Christ is the truth 
truth and the way and the life. If that means being countercultural, so be it. It's not our job to chase societal norms. It is our job to live a life rooted in the scriptures. We cannot chase fads in order to attract numbers. Bums and seats are a side effect, not the objective. We're called to disciple the nations, but I do not believe that means obsessing over attracting new demographics. That means obsessing over preaching the good news, doing it well and faithfully. If we do that, people will come and Christ will convert them, end quote. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you very much. Let's take it outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Stays cold this afternoon. During cloudiness, sunny breaks, and there'll be some scattered snow and rain showers around with high temperatures in the mid-30s to the mid-40s. Tonight, a couple of leftover showers of rain or snow, mainly east and northeast of Lake Erie. Otherwise, patchy clouds and cold, low in the 20s and low 30s tomorrow. Some sunshine, high in the 40s, milder Friday with a good deal of sunshine and high temperatures then primarily in the 50s. All right, nice little warm-up coming. Thank you very much, Kevin. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's going on Wednesday, the first day of November. Gaza getaway. Injured Palestinians and foreign nationals being allowed to flee the war zone in Gaza into Egypt through the Rafah Gate. Reporter Richard Engel. Dozens of injured Palestinians are crossing into Egypt, along with hundreds of foreign passports holders, including Americans. It is a slow process, but nonetheless, a diplomatic breakthrough. The deal was brokered by the government of Qatar. Some 400 Americans are stuck in Gaza. Meantime, street-to-street fighting between Hamas terrorists and Israeli soldiers continues as the Jewish state penetrates deeper into the Palestinian territory. Israel vows it will not stop until Hamas is no more. These people are the enemies of everyone who believes in humanity. These people are, as, as President Biden said, sheer evil. Mark Regev is the former Israeli ambassador to the UK. Yesterday, the Israeli army killed one of the Hamas architects of the October 7th terror attack. In those missile strikes, however, scores of Palestinians were killed at a Gazan refugee camp. A building shakes after bombs go off as people scream outside. The streets of Jabalia, Gaza's largest refugee camp, darkened with the dust of destruction and death. Hamas says six Israeli-launched missiles late yesterday cratered the homes of more than 100,000 refugees just two miles south of the border. Israel says it targeted and killed a Hamas commander and other militants and destroyed a tunnel complex. Correspondent Ramey Innocencia. FBI Director Chris Ray says the ongoing war has raised the threat of a terror attack here. Raise that threat to a whole new level, he says. Correspondent Stephanie Goss. The FBI director says Hamas's attack on Israel is inspiring the most significant terror threat to the U.S. since the rise of ISIS nearly a decade ago, while also urging all Americans to remain vigilant. It comes as the FBI says it has a suspect in custody in connection with violent threats made online against Jews at Cornell University. The suspect, a student himself. The student identified as 21-year-old Patrick Dye of Pittsburgh, New York, making his first court appearance today. The Cornell Jr. threatened to kill Jews at the Ivy League school and shoot up a Jewish building on campus. When we are hearing from students who are saying that they are being harassed, uh, concerned about being visibly Jewish, I think is really concerning. 
That is Oren Segal with the Anti-Defamation League. There's been an almost 400% uptick in acts of violence against Jewish Americans since the Hamas terror attack. The U.S. birth rate is dropping. The CDC says the birth rate fell by 22% from 2007 to last year. In fact, not one state in these United States reported an increase in their birth rate. And here's some more shocking news from the CDC. It has to do with the infant death rate. The nation's rate of infant mortality climbed last year to around 5.6 deaths per 1,000 live births. That marks the first annual increase in infant mortality in over two decades, according to the CDC. Correspondent Alexander Tin, Panera Bread now displaying enhanced warnings about its caffeinated beverages following the death of a New Jersey college student. Jill and Michael Katz filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the company after their daughter Sarah died after she consumed Panera's charged lemonade. The Penn student had a medical condition where high caffeine levels triggered life-threatening irregular heartbeats, and she went into cardiac arrest and passed away after she drank the charged lemonade, which contains more caffeine than a Red Bull and a Monster Energy drink combined. In light of the lawsuit, Panera has now announced that it will list more explicit disclosures about the lemonades in all of its North American stores. Liz Warner, New York. While rising rates of depression and anxiety among American teenagers has gotten a lot of attention, young adults may be struggling even more. A new Harvard study shows young adults suffer twice as much with mental disorders as teens do. Young adults are described as anyone between the ages of 18 and 25. Next at noon, helping kids develop a Christian worldview. As any parent knows, it's no easy task. Family Life's Martha Manikas Foster is talking to an expert on that issue in this week's edition of Inside Out. We develop our worldview in childhood, but new research says that during those years, less than one in 10 parents are intentional about their children's spiritual development. Well, we're going to talk about that today here on Family Life's Inside Out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest is Dr. George Barna, professor at Arizona Christian University and director of research at its Cultural Research Center. His newest book is titled Raising Spiritual Champions. Dr. Barna, what are the results of parents not making a point of nurturing their children's worldview? Well, everybody has a worldview. Mm -hmm. You need a worldview to get through the day. So children are going to develop a worldview whether their parents are involved in it or not. That is a vacuum that has to be filled. Mm -hmm. And the way it gets filled is by kids trying to figure out how the world works, who they are, where they fit into the world, what kind of life they want, how they can make a difference. All the big questions of life, they start answering very young. And so as they go through that, a number of people, a number of institutions, a number of entities have influence on the thinking of children as they're developing that worldview. But because right now it's really a by default process, children are exposed to many different worldviews. There's the biblical worldview, but more than that, they're exposed to worldviews like secular humanism, postmodernism, mm -hmm. Eastern mysticism, Marxism, and so forth. And it's up to the child to make the choice mm -hmm. without their parents being there to help guide them. They're just doing the best they can to make sense of it all. Mm -hmm. And so they tend to take those elements of each different worldview that make them happy or that make sense to them or that solve a problem in the moment mm -hmm. or that seem most popular as opposed to saying, but which one is true? Which one 
one is right. That's not in the mentality of children. And so they wind up picking and choosing elements from many different worldviews, putting them together into a customized blend that we believe serves us well, or at least it fits comfortably, and then that's the worldview that they move forward with. So, Dr. Barna, what does it take to raise a disciple? How can parents raise children who will have confidence in applying God's Word to all of life so that they have a chance to thrive as disciples as all of these other worldviews are around them and, and eventually showing that they are inconsistent with what the Bible says? Yeah, it's a great question, Martha, and, and it's really the key here. And I think based on our research, what we discovered is there are four things that parents need to do to be intentional disciple makers with their children. You know, the first of those is to recognize that God gave them these children to raise up, to be disciples. And so they have to, first of all, recognize that as parents, they need to be disciple makers. Mm. Secondly, they need to be the parent. They need to be the adult in the room. They have to have not only a commitment, but a plan to taking these children during those formative 12 years and doing everything they can to lead them down the right path. Now, how do you do that? That's the second part. And that's knowing what beliefs you want your children to be exposed to and to embrace. Why? Because we do what we believe. In mm-hmm. essence, your worldview is based on your beliefs that then gets translated into behavior. And the only way that you can be Christ-like is to think like Jesus so that you can live like Jesus. So mm-hmm. beliefs are the starting point But, you know, if you only have the beliefs, I mean, Satan understands all these things, but he's not a disciple of Jesus. So it's got to be more than beliefs. Yeah, it is. You have to convert those into behavior. Mm -hmm. And so for parents, the bottom line here is your kids are watching you. They're listening to you, Mm -hmm. and then they're watching you. What we learned in the research is kids don't trust their parents anymore because their parents say one thing and do another. And so you want to get to your kids, model the beliefs that you're trying to teach them. When they see you live it out, then they're going to say, okay, I see it. It works. My parents believe it. I'm going to run with it. And it sounds like there's a lot of time on our knees because we're not just praying about the direction of our children. We need to be praying about God's Holy Spirit transforming us to be the people who not only believe in theory, but believe in practice. Yeah, great point. My my last chapter in the book is encouraging parents to think exactly as you're suggesting, to recognize that parenting is a vital battle in the spiritual war in which we live. We, we have to be aware of the nature of that battle if we're going to fight it well. And all the people said amen. That is Christian pollster George Barna on how parents can help develop a Christian worldview in their children. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Well, good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Stays cold this afternoon. Variable cloudiness, sunny breaks, and there'll be some scattered snow and rain showers around with high temperatures in the mid-30s to the mid-40s. Tonight, a couple of leftover showers of rain or snow, mainly east and northeast of Lake Erie. Otherwise, patchy clouds and cold, low in the 20s and low 30s tomorrow. Some sunshine, high in the 40s, milder Friday with a good deal of sunshine and high temperatures then, primarily in the 50s. All right, Kevin, thank you. Finally at noon today for the ambitious among us. Today's the day to go that extra mile. Zig Ziglar once said, there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. And sometimes giving just a little bit more, doing a little bit extra, is just what is needed.
needed. Today is Extra Mile Day, a day dedicated to helping us appreciate the positive impact we leave on our communities, organizations, and families when we choose to go the extra mile. In 2011, the Extra Mile Foundation, in conjunction with mayors from hundreds of American cities, declared November 1st Extra Mile Day to help inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. It seems like doing the bare minimum has gone out of style and exceeding expectations is the new standard. So today, do that little bit extra to make someone's day. Go the extra mile, and not just because you missed your exit on the interstate. <laughs> Brian Query, Family Life News. And I've done that before, too. Thank you, Brian. That's our world, folks, the world we live in. Wednesday, the 1st of November. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.